If you're looking to save some money on your wireless plan, take a look at Visible Wireless. They're a transparent wireless carrier with nothing to hide. If you haven't heard of Visible, well, now you have. They're the wireless carrier that's making wireless visible. It's in the name. Switch to Visible where you can get a one-line plan with unlimited 5G data powered by Verizon for just 25 bucks a month, taxes and fees included. One-line wireless, just 25 bucks a month with taxes and fees included. That's unlimited 5G data powered by Verizon. Switch now at Visible.com. You shouldn't judge a book by its cover, but you can judge a company by its name. Like Visible, the wireless company making wireless visible. Monthly rate on the Visible plan. For data management practices and additional terms, visit Visible.com. Contained herein are the heresies of Radolf Buntwine, erstwhile monk-turned-traveling medical investigator. Join me as I uncover the blasphemous truth of a plague-ridden world, that ours is not a loving God, and we are not its favored children. The Heresies of Radolf Buntwine, coming January 2nd, wherever podcasts are available. Hey everybody, welcome to the podcast on Lock episode two hundred and sixty-two. Why? I was I speaking was totally when fine. you did it. I was, was saying totally fine. Definitely. No, that's how it works. Uh, I am right, uh, one of your hosts, okay. uh, Marty Saliva, joined alongside Alana Pierce. Greets. Sean Finnegan. Hello. Uh, Ryan is in New York at the PlayStation meeting, and obviously we're off to a great start without him. I said definitely when you you started. The- yeah, I, I feel like you could have just rolled through it and it would have been totally fine. But you just keep acknowledging it. Ryan wouldn't have. <laughs> R.I.P. Well, a lot of things are different. I, you can't say R.I.P. when I said he was already at a thing. Yeah, but he died afterwards. No. He is in New York. Someone so. who did pass away. Dustin. Dustin yes. Yeah. No, All he's right. also not He's dead. in Seattle at a, at a bungee thing. Why aren't you at that bungee thing? Uh, travel budget, I guess. Mm. Yeah. Wasn't in your destiny. This is true. Mm. Well like done, Marty. Uh, it's a bit of a slow news week on the uh, Xbox side, but... All three of us uh, were up in Seattle at PAX over the weekend, yes. uh, and we got to see some cool Xbox stuff, so we're just mm-hmm. going to sort of talk about um, what we did up there, and then answer some questions, and talk about our IGN first that Sean and I wanted. Yeah, Yeah, sure. so immediately, I guess the big video for us, I don't know if you guys have had a chance to check views, but the 24 minutes of Gears of War 4 mm-hmm. uh, horde mode gameplay, yeah. which we all were on that the same us. team yeah. for, yeah. Uh, that's done Super crazy well amount YouTube. of views. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, so they debuted... Uh, Gears of War 4's Horde 3.0 mode uh, at PAX, and yeah, uh, five of us got to go hands-on mm-hmm. with a 10-wave round, um, which we succeeded. We- and it was really good. Yeah, it was so fun. It was one of those things, It I forgot how much I loved Horde mode in yeah. Gears 2, and then I played this, and I'm like, oh my god, I adored that mode. Man, it's so- also been a really long time since I played Gears, and I was like, wait, wait, how do I do this? Yep. There were so many things that I forgot how to do. Mm-hmm. Like, I didn't remember how to counter a chainsaw. Oh, totally. yeah. So if someone came up and chainsawed me, I was like, well... I'm in half now. Yeah. <laughs> There's no returning from yeah. this. I must have annoyed you guys to hell with all the questions I was asking because I, again, have not played Gears since the very first Gears yeah. and there were a lot of things I didn't know how to do. Yeah. But it was really cool to jump in and experiment with all this stuff and it reminded me how much I miss just uh, cooperative PV, mm-hmm. like cooperative PvP. Yeah. Like it's yeah. player versus... I mean, it's... Five, it is, 5v the world. Yeah, like yeah. it's hard to... I don't know. I don't really know how to say it. It's... Because it's not exactly PvP because it's players versus the environment, sure. but it's not yeah. exactly PvE either because you're cooperating with yeah. other players. So that's cool, and there you see that a lot with like 
Halo had that, you know, has Wars on Firefight. Destiny yeah. is basically this type of game mm-hmm. cooperative uh, all Left the way through. Yeah. Left 4 Dead. Dead. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, it's a lot of fun. And to see it in Gears is something I had not personally experienced since yeah. I wasn't around for when Horde Mode was introduced. Right, that was true. And so it was a brand new experience for mm-hmm. me. The variety of weapons was really cool. Yeah. Uh, the strategy in... Uh, Gathering the power that you get from killing enemies and then investing so that into defense that's and structure. Yeah. We should talk about that. Yeah, so there's yeah. a couple of new things. Uh, right off the bat, uh, there's a class system. Yes. So there's five different classes which range from sort of just you soldier. You a heavy. Yeah. I was a soldier. I think you were a soldier. And yeah. I think Andrew went with the sniper. sniper and there's yeah. engineer. And uh, yes, and, and when you uh, choose a class, you also sort of choose these cards, which are like unlockable perks. Yes. Uh, for a sniper, it was exploding headshots. For uh, a soldier, it could be uh, adding buffs on an a uh, successful yeah. active reload. I think reloads. we started with uh, three yeah. uh, card slots, but you can upgrade to five or unlock yeah, five. Yeah, as you level up sort of your medic. Yeah, and there are different cards, and you unlock more cards as you go as well. So they're just like buffs, basically, mm-hmm. which and, I really liked. And each slot has like, at least what we saw there, there were like seven or eight cards lot, that you yeah. could use to customize which slot you mm-hmm. have, yeah. and that was pretty cool. Yeah, but it's I, not, I think I catered mine to uh, active reloads. Yeah. yeah, it's one of those things where you have that muscle memory down. What so, would the... Like, um, a heavy weapon ones. Uh, I was actually a soldier as well. Oh, you were? Yeah, I didn't play as heavy. I don't remember who, this, who was the heavy then. but Might have been Brian. Yeah. Yeah. Probably was, really was because he was destroying everyone. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, and, uh, you know, despite the fact that you choose a class at the beginning, it is still a little bit fluid in terms of you could pick up any weapons that yeah. enemies drop, so you do adapt throughout the round to but sort of what the battlefield caters. Classes are kind of wise when, well when you think about it compared to other games that have classes yeah. because you know it's not like you have the heavy's not like a tank mm-hmm. they don't have more health or anything yeah. like that it's sort of just a loadout. a loadout it's basically a loadout yeah uh, but I think the perks like when we unlock more of them and see obviously we were just like playing from the very very start on the base mm-hmm. uh, I think it probably will vary as you yeah. like level up through the game yeah also there's to call it class based is a little bit of a misnomer because you're right there aren't like it's not so distinct mm-hmm. like every class can still use all of the weapons so there's no yeah. limit Limitations that you can swap way. between each other if you wanted to. Exactly. Um, uh, yeah, but then when you uh, sort of when you first get into a game, you place this. Oh, what was the thing called? Not the regenerator, but the fa- fabricator. Fabricator. That's yeah. yeah. And so, which is sort of just like a giant coffin war chest. Yeah. yeah. And you they choose- described it to us as like the futuristic 3D printer. Yeah. That yeah. just like generates for you weapons and. Yeah. Defense systems. Yeah, and, stuff. yeah. And you cho- so we were able to choose where we placed it. Uh, it just couldn't like be touching a wall, but it's like, do you want it all the way back in the corner, or do you want it a little closer to where the action's going to be? Yeah, the I reason- think we did actually place it a little bit too far back. I think we did. Yeah, because the whole the way it works is that you you know enemies drop power when mm-hmm. you uh, kill them, or yeah. you when you kill an enemy, you'll just get power, which is a currency, and you run back and sort of put it deposit into the, it, deposit yeah. it into yeah. the uh, your war chest and then you can use that to uh, refill ammo or buy turrets or buy reinforcements, uh, reinforcements yeah. like spikes on the ground uh, and so yeah like it can't be destroyed yeah but the whole thing is like you use it to fortify so, yourself yeah. and that was exactly my thing is like the reason I was so adamant about having us put it far back was because I thought like oh this is what the horde is going to try and destroy like they're right. going to run to it too. and destroy it and then we yeah. lose yeah. so I was like, like no they just want to destroy put us put it against the wall where they have to funnel to go yeah. get it, and then once, like by the third round, I was like, "Man, I have to run yeah. pretty far." Yeah, back yeah, we, it we was goofed. too far that was because dumb. we were all like, kind of. Uh, I don't know the name of the map, so this wouldn't yeah. be a good explanation. But it was very even. I want to yeah, say it was like it was symmetrical. So we were like up as far as we could get before the middle lane, sort of thing. And they were doing the exact same thing and just flanking us from the sides. And the thing we would 
trying to get resources from was at the very, it was all the very way back. back. And so in order to get resources, we pretty much had to abandon the You'd firefight yeah, like, and you had to abandon your shot post. In the back, yeah, basically. or you just you let one of the lanes open yeah. and they just come flooding but through. But I love that different maps, the strategy that you would have for that would Which vary. Is, yeah. And it could also vary depending on the, the loadout as well. Yeah, or, or vary depending on the player or, like, I could totally see us becoming more communicative and being like, alright, I have to run back to the thing, so, mm-hmm. you know, guard my lane yeah. as, as I'm watching yeah. this. And uh, I think the same applies to uh, the stuff that you buy because... If somebody died and you went and picked up that cog tag, you could spend money to bring them back to life. Yeah. Which is super valuable in hard mode, Mm -hmm. but also a very expensive thing to do. And I think it was the more often you did it, the more expensive it got. Yes, it went up with every uh, revive. and so. uh, But then as long as you survive the wave, even if one person survives the wave, everyone else is revived. Yeah, yeah, I thought it was super fun. I thought the power curve of the waves was really intense. Like the first couple were super easy, and then by the end, like we were making it through with two or three people. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I mean, there was on like eight, nine, and ten. There, there was definitely a point where like most of us were down, and we were all crawling back to where everyone was staked out. That was pretty full on because we were like trying to manage to get to one person who would pick us all up, and when we did, it was super triumphant. Like it was was really intense. And it tossed a ton of the enemies at you. It progressed, you know, from the Lambent to the different enemies. I felt like the DBs actually shooting at them almost just kind of felt like uh, a reskin locust. Like when you're shooting at them, they don't really behave too differently. Yeah, I feel like they. they I feel like they had a less. Whereas locusts, if you're shooting at them, a lot of times they will try to take cover, move out of the way. These are robots that just didn't care. That's a good point. They were sort of like the Terminator, where they would just keep walking forward. The locusts are actually might even be noticeably smarter in this game. Yeah, yeah. The the AI actually seemed pretty good. Is that what's famous? Lambent are exploding locusts. Oh. Uh, I don't know if we had any Lambent, actually, because uh, realistically, Lambent should be gone. Yeah, we had the, the exploding enemies were the, uh, there was a robot balls that would roll up to you, and right. then they would start ticking, and you'd have to, like, roll out of the way before they or exploded. Or you can kick them into or enemies, which is yeah. really cool. Oh, what a stressful moment that is, like, when you hear yeah, the you hear ticking, it? and you're yeah. like, and you're like I don't know which way it? I'm rolling, but I'm just yeah. going to keep rolling backwards. Yeah, yeah. yeah uh, and then we had, there was those, like, dog enemies that would jump yeah. on. They and would, they have tails yeah, that throw stuff at you, and it if if it hits the kind of air effect, is just with flames. Yeah. Like, I don't really know yeah. how that works. Yeah, and they were really fast. There were uh, flying drones that yeah. had shields, and then there was Ooh, yeah, sort of the boss. Every ten waves, you get a boss, and this boss was this huge, slow-moving, I think it was called the Carrier. Mm-hmm. It was this giant, slow-moving blob that sort of just, like, inched its way across and <laughs> took all of our, you know, took all of our bullets. It was that just thing, a giant the thing was like so The thing that was really interesting about it was, like, he forced you out of your cover because he'd hurled these big balls of goo at you, mm-hmm. and if you stand, if the goo hits anywhere near you, it causes, Everything like, a corrosive it. acid yeah. on the yeah. ground, and you can't stand in it yeah. or else you'll take damage over time yeah. and kind of a lot of damage like yeah. if you don't jump out of it almost instantly you're going to yeah. die yeah the first time that down. he threw something at me and I started taking damage I was like what the hell yeah, is this yeah. and I turn around there's this giant thing there yeah, like, yeah. Oh. it's also apparently that guy it didn't happen to any of us uh, but he can swallow you and then you will be inside of his stomach, still alive, but you can't do anything. But it's transparent, so you can still see all of the other players yeah. looking I at you. I love that. That's right? so cool. Like, I'm yeah. disappointed that it didn't happen to yeah, me, because I feel us. like maybe if they killed it, they could like cut you out, out of his stomach. Yeah. That would be, be awesome. so cool. Yeah. Yeah, it was super fun. Uh, I'm, I'm going to play so much of this mode. Oh, I'm so uh, excited about Gears yeah. 4. This is the Gears game that's going to draw me back in, I'm sure. Yeah. yeah, I mean, everything that we did last month with IGN First was super cool. I'm stoked yeah. for the campaign. I'm stoked for Horde. Um, I'm excited to see the new Multiplayer characters. Multiplayer maps all look really cool. Yeah. And uh, the lore seems really interesting, too. Like, I'm, I'm really excited about it. Yeah, I'm stoked. We're just, what, a month out? Yeah. Yeah. But whenever I'm this excited about something, I'm always worried that I'm going to get disappointed because 90% of the time I do. You can't like, disappoint a picture. You can't disappoint a picture. Uh, yeah, gears. community anyone? Yeah, I I did. You like? I knew it. Yeah, that's oh, why. That's, why, that's I said why you it. made the reference. That's why I said oh. it. Yeah, titular hero community. 
Uh, yeah, that was Gears. Um, that was sort of the big Microsoft game uh, at their booth. They also had uh, Battlefield One, ReCore, sort of same demos that we've seen before. Yeah. Uh, Sean, you shot a bunch of pics of limited edition consoles that are coming out this fall. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, there were seven consoles there uh, on display at the Microsoft booth. Uh, ReCore, Final Fantasy XV, Forza Horizon. Most of them look kind of junky, in my opinion. Yeah, I mean, honestly, kind of like you'd be su- a little bit cheap. You'd be surprised how not good the Xbox One S looks in anything but white, yeah. essentially. Yeah. I think the one that I liked the look of was uh, Sea of Thieves. Because it's simplistic. Yeah. Yeah. Also, I mean, the ReCore one I thought looked pretty cool because it was just... Oh, wait, no. Was it ReCore? I can't remember. But one of the white consoles, either Final Fantasy XV or uh, ReCore, has... It looks just like an Xbox One except where... The like on the on the sort of sheen white part of the console, there's just like some really cool art. Mm-hmm. And I thought that was pretty cool. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, uh, a lot of people who were in the comments who saw that video weren't exactly sold on the look. And truth be told, like in person, neither was I. Yeah, yeah I I wasn't either, and I usually love that kind of stuff. Yeah. I, I bought tons of faceplates in 360. Yeah, like, I, I'm, at a, I'm at a point where I might, I'm totally fine with my launch Xbox One. Me too. I like the now. simplicity, I think, but yeah. it's also like you could sell me on a certain kind of console. I, I mean, the S looks awesome. If I didn't have yeah. Xbox, I mean, I'd totally special just get edition a consoles, S. like I think, just because a lot of them look bad doesn't mean they can't look good, no, right? True, like true. the yeah. Gears, the Gears of War four one that we. Uh, like this, it's like a collector's yeah, edition yeah. one that they're releasing alongside the game that we ran an article on IGN yeah. about. Like that one looks awesome. Yeah, it's like a deep red and black yeah, console yeah. that looks yeah. super cool. Yeah, but yeah, I mean the ones that we saw on the floor were not all that impressive. Yeah, I mean I'm totally it just looks like I'm totally fine just on them. I think, but yeah, I'm not uh, saying that they can't look pretty. Just those designs. I well, especially knowing that in a year or whatever, there's we're gonna have a Scorpio, whatever the hell that is. That I'm yeah. totally fine not buying a new Xbox. Yeah, before that. Should we talk about that a little about the the Neo event that just finished and how that we can render a, a yeah font, right? really yeah I mean we we did a post show uh, on Beyond that you can check out for our full impressions uh, so as we're recording this the Neo event which was called what PlayStation Meeting, meeting yeah. is a, I guess it's called you. the well, it's not called the Neo I guess yeah, yeah the PlayStation Pro yeah PlayStation Four Pro uh, right? yeah. and we didn't really get a whole lot of information about specs so uh, they did we, afterwards oh afterwards yeah they released them afterwards uh, it's it's uh, and we also we're running a story right now. Uh, Andrew uh, talked to someone from Microsoft, and Microsoft is extremely confident that the Scorpio is more powerful in literally every way. Yeah, I mean, I don't, I, I don't think that that surprises anyone, right? It's going to release a year later. Microsoft would not have come out and, d- and definitively said this is the, gr- the most powerful console ever made if they weren't absolutely sure. Yeah, yeah. But and at the same time, like I, I think. Uh, I don't think I'm out of line when I say I think a lot of people, most people, the majority of people who were looking at this event were kind of lukewarm after mm-hmm. after it. Yeah, I don't think it was a bad event, <clears throat> but I was kind of bored. But uh, I was kind of bored. I don't have a 4K TV, so that's it wasn't, not going to... I would up, say, yeah, it wasn't yeah. for me. It got of. me excited about specific games that I was already totally. excited about. Yeah, so that's my thing. Is like The games look great, but I mean, to me, they don't look any... Better or worse than what I would have expected them to look like it's on Xbox hard to, or PlayStation. It's hard, and it's hard to show that on a stream. Basically, wow. basically, I'm, not yeah. I'm I'm lukewarm about PS4 because I remain unconvinced about 4K and HDR, and that's basically all they focused on. Right. I feel the same way about Scorpio. Like it's like I, you know, we don't really know what that's offering, but if it's HDR and 4K, then it's it's also really I, I, yeah. it's cool, but I it's not worth. The amount of money it might It's cost. also hard for me to imagine a world in which we're racing towards 4K and HDR, but 1080p 60 still remains 
not no, quite yeah. the standard. Like mm-hmm. we can't even we can't even quite get to 1080p 60 on current gen hardware. And yet crazy. here we are, like already. It's like you show up to the game, but you forgot the ball, right? Yeah. Like you're trying to go faster than the market is willing to go. Yeah. yeah. I just two years ago bought a 60 inch 1080p TV that's top of the line, and I do not plan to let go of that thing or change anything with the current setup mm-hmm. for another 10 years. So I'm not even interested in that regard. So it's like. And if I and I tend, I would call myself like generally an early adopter mm-hmm. of this kind of stuff. So, I think Sony and Microsoft need to make a stronger case for 4K and HDR and really wow me with what it can contribute because right now it just seems like an incremental upgrade, and I do not like incremental upgrades. Yeah. yeah. Uh, after that conference, I kind of feel like the way that the PlayStation Pro is being handled, and thus maybe also Scorpio, because obviously they had the same thing in mind by making these kind of iterative consoles, is. This is an option for a hardcore consumer who likes this Definitely. kind of stuff. Yeah. You don't have to get it, and I'm okay and with I'm that. I'm also perfectly fine with how the games I'm currently playing look. That's like the thing. Is like, one looks incredible. Also, the Gears Xbox looks incredible. One S is very impressive. Yeah. I, I've, always, I've always been... I've always found the claim that uh, we should be more focused on the number of lines of resolution and how, how many frames we can get onto the screen in these games as a measure of how quality the game is, I've always found that to be a dubious claim, right? Because, yeah. like, Chrono Trigger has, it's, what, 340 by 240 pixels, yeah. and it's yeah. better than all almost all of the games yeah. that yeah. have come out this generation, yeah. right? So I don't think that that is really a benchmark for success in terms of the quality of the game. Uh, and I think that, like... I think that so much focus on the technical prowess is actually a little bit detrimental, right? Yeah, I mean, yeah, we've I, talked about this, yeah. I feel like, a thousand times. I on agree, the show. but I also like a lot of pe- A lot of people disagree with us. Yes. Like, a lot of people obviously are super enthusiastic <laughs> yeah, about yeah. it, and that's totally fine. That's yeah. your prerogative, but yeah. I care more about the games than what device the game is on. Yeah, but I, I think it's also important to continue uh, pushing hardware as well, uh, yeah. you know, so as, as, I don't, as we can get it. I don't want to downplay the importance of the technical prowess of these consoles because gaming, unlike any other technology artistic medium out there, is that it's evolved hand in hand with the mm-hmm. technology, which is like just it's just to say like in movies, right, the creative aspect always pushed the technology forward, where here it's it goes back and forth, right? Well, like, it's definitely not like that because PC is so far ahead. Well, that's what I mean. It's like, so, you, the tech, like, before you wanted to do things on film, like, for instance, James Cameron and Avatar, right? Like, he couldn't make that movie when he had the screenplay because the technology just didn't exist mm-hmm. yet, right? Whereas the technology now in video games empowers creators to do their, to, to bring their imaginations into these games, whereas it just evolves hand-in-hand, right? Mm -hmm. So it's not totally unimportant, but my point is too much focus on it when the content doesn't necessarily benefit from it. That's a little bit of a problem for me. Yeah, for sure. Um, But again, we don't really know where this is going. Just kind of wanted to address that uh, if we're comparing the, the Pro and the Scorpio... At this point, to me, it doesn't even seem like that's fair. At this point, I feel like they're almost almost different things. A lot of the pro is almost more of a comparison to the S. Yes, a lot of people. That's exactly it. And the slim is a replacement for the PS4, basically, Mm -hmm. because it's called the PS4. Yeah, it's just yeah, it's just. I don't think that the race that we imagined even really exists. Larry Herb actually put out a tweet like saying, "You want 4K? You want HDR? Buy an Xbox One S because it does those things right now." So a lot of people are actually making that the more Mm -hmm. comparison. I don't think you can compare. To Scorpio because we don't really know what Scorpio is yet. Yeah, but I think I haven't even seen it. I imagine we won't until next E3. Ryan tweeted out after after the event that the onus is now on Microsoft to make Scorpio not seem like an iterative upgrade and more of like a big leap forward, which is totally true. Mm -hmm. Yeah, we'll see. More hardware. 
I'm excited to not have to talk about hardware for Agreed. a simple long time. Uh, another one of the games uh, I got to see at PAX was I got to play the first hour, hour and a half of Final Fantasy XV, which we talked about a lot. Um, this is the first time I've got to play. Wait, how many times have you played that game now? Uh, many. Several. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. A lot. Yes. Uh, it's just really cool. I mean, I, I've said that a thousand times. Like, I'm totally fine with it getting pushed the two months uh, for a final round of polish. Uh, I'm really stoked about those characters. When's the world. Uh, the end of November. Oh, yeah, that's all right. Yeah. Um, one of the cool things we got out of an interview with Tabata is that he said that the game takes place over the course of 10 years. And so yeah. that the kids who are sort of seemingly like late teenagers, early 20s are going to be in like, near 30 by yeah. the end of the game, which I think is cool. That like, is I think really it's cool. Kind of cool to see your party evolve from sort of Noctis being like a bratty prince to yeah. becoming like the. Or maybe they start out that way. Father, it's like but yeah. then they become. Yeah. yeah, it's just like Naruto. You watch Naruto? Yeah. Oh, are you talking about the Shippudens? Yeah, the Shippudens. Yeah, I don't think you said that, right? The Shippudens. Sorry. Yeah, that's fine. Uh, that just presents the creators with a lot of opportunity to really delve into uh, character arcs that yeah. are really interesting. Yeah, that's right, cool. cool. And that's sort yeah. of the, that's the big uh, RPG, obviously, this fall in yep. the West because. Persona 5 is coming out, but not Yes, but that's until. what, February next well, it's coming year out, here? It's coming out a couple days in Japan, but not to... Yeah, when is it coming out here? It's uh, February. February. Valentine's Day. Yeah, that's, that's right. Andrew, wow. Andrew already has plans. Yes. That is uh, Andrew Goldfob's Valentine's Day present to himself. Yep. Um, another uh, very different game from Final Fantasy XV that Sean got to see was Sonic Mania. Yeah, so uh, I, I had an NES growing up and a Genesis, but I loved Sonic growing up. The first three games are like, they're built into my DNA, written mm-hmm. into my DNA as a gamer. And so Sonic Mania, uh, I was, you know, as everyone should be skeptical of a Sonic game because traditionally the last 15 years they have not been all that great or let's call it forgettable. But this was actually really, really cool. We got to play two levels. One was like a remix of the Green Hill Zone from Sonic, the mm-hmm. original. I love Green Hill Zone. Yeah, the music was on par. It's the original sort of like more polished, but definitely in the same art style as the yeah. original trilogy. Uh, 2D side-scrolling. It feels fast, but not unfair. It's because he's got to uh, go fast. And it he requires... <laughs> and it requires... Uh, or not requires. It actually has a couple of mechanics that uh, appear later on in games, and that's really cool. Mm-hmm. There's this new like air dash type thing where if you jump and then you jump again and hold the button, when you land, you zoom off, and it yeah. gives you like a little bit of a boost. Oh, Adds cool. a little bit of depth to the platforming, which is awesome, and it allows you to kind of like vault over things really quickly and just basically keep your movement up the whole time and mm-hmm. not get stopped by like rocks or mm-hmm. things that Sonic can't just run through. So that was cool. And then we played another map, which I believe is called Staropolis. I'm not exactly sure what it is, but it's a brand new level, again, in the same art style. Um, where it's kind of like TV and broadcast themed. You're kind of hmm. being shot around with like radio waves and you're entering like there's like bad guys that project TV and like film images yeah. and stuff and you're riding around on like film strips and stuff. It's really, really cool. Mm-hmm. And I think it kind of nails the original feel of what Sonic is, but it's all new arts, all new uh, music, all new like an entirely new level, which was cool. Yeah, sort of in keeping of the spirit of the originals. Yeah, it feels like it fits right in there. And again, like... It just, I don't know, man, like, it, it's kind of mind-boggling to me that it took them this long to realize, like, Sonic works best when it is his regular old 2D fast-moving yeah, character I think that work. kids, like, and they're trying to market Sonic to kids, is my guess, is that they think kids don't like those kinds of games. That's legitimately what I think it is. Yeah. I mean, you might be right. Like, oh, right? well, and I mean, obviously like, people who grew up with Sonic really like that kind of stuff, and, like, I would be happy to have Sonic like that, but maybe kids don't pick yeah. it up as much because they want they think it looks old yeah yeah, yeah. I mean yeah that's, possibly that's my it. guess and I remember like you know I got a 
uh, Dreamcast shortly after it launched and getting it with Sonic Adventure and Sonic Adventure being like, this is really pretty, yeah. but this is nowhere near the level of polish of Nintendo's platformers. Yeah. Like it was, it was no Mario 64 or Banjo. Yeah. And well, that's the thing is like, yeah, yeah. And that's the thing is like, I think you almost always have to qualify Sonic's platforming with it's never a Mario. But I mean, Sonic was a strong platformer back in the early 90s, and I still think that that type of platforming finds a strikes a chord with people today it did with me like yeah. after i played it and these the other video guys will testify to this but like i brought back the footage which we have live on ign mm-hmm. right now seven minutes of gameplay it's my gameplay um like all i went i downloaded sonic 2 on my ds because yeah. it's on virtual console i was like i need this sonic game yeah, like yeah. i was telling them like right now it's only announced for ps4 pc and xbox one but i was like if you bring this to 3ds i will play yeah. it so this much honestly, absolutely be i think a that's game. the ideal yeah. platform for it's it oh, yeah. Vita, yeah. honestly like, like the way yeah. that i played the original sonic the most of it was uh this browser-based oh wow game where you could play it but it still works like yeah. exactly like it would on handheld but i would just play it at school like when the teachers went yeah, yeah. i would have that up yeah, yeah i mean like it, every level is two or three minutes because you're yeah. running through it as fast yeah. as you can yeah. did uh, you guys ever play the bioware rpg i did chronicles yeah for no. it was for gba i believe yeah they bioware made it might have been for ds RPG. or maybe uh, they pour- no. i played it on ds oh, so maybe, maybe it was, it was mm-hmm. they ported it though yeah yeah i um, it was pretty. I don't know. It was like a. It felt like a light Mario RPG, but it was really weird that for a Nintendo pl- handheld, yeah. Bioware made a Sonic RPG. That is really and it's strange. actually good. Like the story's cool. Uh, the mechanics are deep. It's turn based. Like it's kind wow. of. It's actually a pretty cool game. That is really cool. Yeah, yeah. Just huh. Weird that that's a thing that exists. Yeah. Uh, and it's yeah, it's Sonic and all his friends, and you can choose who's so in your party and stuff. Made that. Yeah, it's really oh. interesting. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I was actually really impressed with Sonic Mania. I actually cannot wait for mm-hmm. it because, I, like I said, I love Sonic growing up, and this is the Sonic I grew up with. Yeah, yeah. and they're uh, also working on a 3D Sonic game that, we, I mean, they only showed like a brief tone piece trailer, but interesting. also coming next year. Well, who's your favorite one of Sonic's friends? Tails. Or you that. Knuckles. What about Big the Cat? I really <laughs> like Tails. Yeah? Yeah. Like yeah, uh, the other, the last minor cool note about that was the, for the demo or for the, for on the floor, they rigged it to play with Genesis controllers. Oh, that's awesome. Oh, so yeah, I played it with a Genesis demo. controller. That's really cool. And I remember being, I held it and I was like, oh, But I just memories. can't get it out of my head to play it on the 3DS would just be. That'd be perfect. That'd no. be great. Yeah. yeah. That'd no. be great. Did you hear that? I really want that now. Jonathan Sega and your wife. My man. Linda Genesis. That is, wow. <laughs> uh, yeah. Thanks for listening, guys. Um, um, yeah, I know. Shout out. Please Sorry. put that on the yeah. screen, yes. Um, another uh, nostalgic trip we took was uh, Duke Nukem 20th Anniversary Edition, uh, which was announced at the show, and then I got to play uh, about a half an hour of, which is, I'm really sad R- Ryan's not here for this. Yeah. We did a conversation about this, and yeah. you said you really liked it. Yeah, you I did. Ryan voices anyway? How do, how do, what does his is Duke it, Nukem voice sound like? I mean, like? his is a straight this up is college one. Duke Nukem. His is college Duke. I don't. I don't. I can't do it if I don't have something. Oh, I can't to say. do it either. Uh, I can only really do Duck Nukem very well. So. I mean, Duck Nukem is just a sort of a version of Duke Nukem, right? Yeah. Yeah. Can lay lots of eggs. <laughs> quack quack lots quack! I'm a big dirty duck. I'm a big dirty duck. <laughs> so dumb. <laughs> uh, so yeah, the 20th anniversary edition is. Uh, it's coming to uh, Xbox and PC and PS4 um, uh, next month, and it's it takes the uh, original classic game, which is 20 years old, which is terrifying. Uh, and then sort of, wow, it's, yeah. it's not like an HD remaster, but it is touched up, and it does the same thing that the Halo 1 Anniversary Edition did, where you can click, like, toggle immediately from mm-hmm. old style to new style. Um, and it made me forget how good that game was as a shooter. Like, everyone mm-hmm. always associates Duke with, like, I went to a strip club, and I peed, and I flushed a toilet. Yeah, so I've never liked Duke Nukem, because the first time that I played it, I was very, very young, mm-hmm. and just found it kind of horrific yeah 
like in a way that I was like, this is inappropriate, because I was like seven or whatever. Yeah. I was like scared of it yeah. almost. So I always found Duke Nukem just like terrifying yeah. in a weird way. And I it's like, like now can, I understand that it's all jokes, but yeah. like I, I do want to play it. I want to yeah. try it again and see like if there's weird parts that I remember. I just remember being like, this man is really mean, Mom. Yeah, I mean, it's because also like so like, tame now compared to other stuff. Yeah. Like the to strip club is just like, this out. isn't, what is, what is yeah. happening here? It's like a cute um, little strip club. Yeah. Like, I play GTA. I yeah, exactly. Several strip clubs yeah. at this point. Several entire strip clubs. When I was seven, clubs. nope, I was just hanging out with Banjo. <laughs> there's a strip club in Banjo-Tooie. That's definitely Bottles. That's where do you think Bottles goes when he goes underground? He goes to an underground strip club. Nice. Yeah. Chumbawamba's there. Huh. I don't think that's her name. This is all lore that does not exist. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, it exists in my notebooks. Um, In my fanfic. (laughs) Yeah, but uh, one of the other things uh, it also includes is that uh, there's an entirely new episode that they made several new levels that are going to uh, sort of in the old style, and they got back a lot of the original crew, and I got to play a level that took place in Amsterdam. Wow, that's awesome. Very cool. You imagine Duke Nukem will get in trouble in Amsterdam. I can't Mm -hmm. talk about that yet, because the embargo isn't up until next week, but I'll have thoughts on that. Mm -hmm. I did that thing you don't like. I have thoughts on a thing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Some, maybe they're positive. Maybe they're negative. Maybe they're not. Maybe they're neutral. I would love, I can't wait to go back to Duke. I haven't played, I never replay. I never played the, the what was Duke Nukem Forever, Forever, the one yeah. that came out recently, or I guess not as recently as we thought a couple of years ago now, but Isn't like. Isn't that just truly atrocious? Yeah, real bad, Supposedly, real bad, yeah. Yeah. Didn't play it, so, oh, but I heard not turd, good things. But yeah, like my earliest memory, like I actually think that maybe Duke Nukem might be the first PC game I remember playing. I remember I'd go to my mom's, like, my mom is a doctor. She has, like, these work computers that were, for the early 90s, pretty robust. Mm -hmm. And I'd go hang out after school at her and wait for her to get off so that we could go home. And I would play on our work computers, and they had Doom on Someone had, oh, Doom. Yeah. And, like... Doom makes sense. Well, do no, and Duke Nukem, and Wolfenstein, all of them. Like, all of those early 90s shooters were on these PCs. That's really cool. Yeah, it was awesome. So. Yeah, I mean, so I remember, like, playing all three of those games, and that was, like, my first introduction to Duke Nukem. Mm-hmm. I remember being, like, worried that, like, the patients in, like, the waiting room would hear or see, mm-hmm. like, what was going on. I was just, like, trying to play it all quietly, and I remember just, like, not really understanding how good the movement mm-hmm. and shooting was for that time. Yeah. yeah. Really yeah, groundbreaking. Yeah. The- 3D looking like unlike Doom, you were actually looking up and shooting, and yeah, yeah it uses verticality. Well, I think I've told the story before in this podcast, but um, when I was playing Wolfenstein: The New Order, my stepdad, who is seventy three, walked into the room, was like, "Is this Wolfenstein?" And I was like, "Yeah, how the hell did you know that?" And he's like, "I used to play Wolfenstein." Yeah. I was yeah. like, what? Yeah. <laughs> like, that is did insane. You, did you show him like any? Did you get to any like the classic rooms? No, that would, yeah. maybe I tried, but yeah. that would have been really cool to show him. But he like immediately recognized it and I That's think so he cool. like kind of remembered the name of the character or something and yeah. I was like it had never even occurred to me that he would have played Wolfenstein That's so on funny. PC like, I think a lot of people so a lot of people dabbled in that stuff like I, mean, I remember my uncle played Doom and he didn't play games but it was just like look yeah. at this thing yeah. this is a novelty I have a computer this is kind of fun yeah exactly. my dad played a lot of games actually yeah. you'd be surprised at how many of the older folk in our like sort of I guess in your families or stuff were exposed to games just by virtue of being exposed to technology because games yeah, ended up true. being a great demonstration for what the technology was yeah. capable of. Yeah, that's true. Like if you talk to Jared, like a lot of the a lot of computer history is wrapped up in like text based RPGs and yeah. stuff. Like it's so interesting that yeah, I mean a lot of yeah, a lot of people who are not gamers or you wouldn't think about as being gamers mm-hmm. know about these things. Totally. Yeah. so cool. Have either of you ever played like text-based RPGs? No, I've I haven't. It's a little tough. But there's a couple, uh, there are a couple iOS games that have come out recently that sort of are like fresh takes on that. They're really good. So I uh, played one, I 
don't even know if it actually counts as a text-based RPG. Probably. It's called Kingdom of Loathing. Oh, yeah, I played that. Yeah. yeah. And I played a lot of that game to the extent that I got very, very rich. Uh, so it would be In like... Real I was, life? No, not Congrats. at all. Quite the opposite. <laughs> oh. I just had... The currency in that game is meat. And I had tons and tons of meat. And it was actually because... Uh, my username was accidentally slightly offensive and I was in this like clan and they kicked me out of the clan and were like, just so you don't get mad, here's tons of money. So like by having a slightly offensive username, which wasn't intentional, I was way too young to know what the word that I wrote had even Can meant. you tell us what it was? I would prefer not to. <laughs> but uh, it was like accidentally offensive and yeah, they just gave me tons and tons of meat and then every time that I would show up in a chat room people you're, could see how much meat that I had so they would just be super nice to me because I was so rich. You're definitely telling us off air what it is. Yeah, sure. Okay. Uh, that's awesome. It's I'm not, definitely I, saying it's what not it, racist. And then I'm definitely saying what it was. It's, it's, it's absolutely racist. It's 10,000% racist. Uh, one of the last things we did uh, at PAX were uh, Sean and I went to the ID at Xbox uh, event at the Redmond campus where we got to check out a handful of pretty cool indie games. Uh, we have footage of a bunch of them uh, on the site and we're working out things with uh, a couple other ones. Uh, some of the highlights, you got to play Cluster Truck or see Cluster Truck? Yeah, Cluster Truck is a really interesting thing. It's funny because it's one of those things where when you tell someone what it is, it sounds not fun at all. Mm. But basically, it's a platforming game where you have to run along the top of semi-trucks. It's first-person. Mm. I think that first sounds person fun. First-person shooter. Yeah. But so, the thing is, the trucks, like, one, there's like, a I don't know, hundreds of trucks, right? And they're all just going forward in the same direction, but they have these kind of, like, physics where if they bump into each other, they go off in crazy directions and then if they bump into rocks or other sort of like elevation changes they go crazy and it becomes very difficult to just jump from one to the other all the way to the end and then basically yeah after you know x amount of distance you cross the finish line and then you move on to the next level and there's uh six or seven levels per area and then like nine or ten Mm -hmm. areas so it's actually a pretty complex like Super Meat Boy-esque type platformer, yeah. right? But yeah, it's first person. People just describe it as Mirror's Edge on on the top of trucks. That sounds right? cool. Yeah. You have abilities, like... So it gets really, really complex. Mm-hmm. One, the trucks become, like... They start moving in all sorts of different directions, and if you fall off the top of the trucks, like, you have a grappling hook to get back on, or, like, you can... For big jumps, when the trucks start moving fast, you have, like, a... Uh, an activatable like slow motion ability that like just slows down time and everything around you real huh. quick so you can time the landing and mm-hmm. stuff. So how do you die? By falling off the truck. Like so, if you touch the ground, you can only touch the the trucks. Okay. Yeah, like okay. if you touch anything but the trucks. The floor is lava. You lose. But you said there was like a grappling hook to pull you back up? Yeah, like if you're falling so oh, trucks while will like, you're falling. Yeah, like trucks right, will go right, off right. cliffs or something, but you have a lot of forward momentum and if you're like if you overshoot the trucks you can grappling hook back on right, or if you're cool. falling off you can grappling hook yeah. back on huh. and stuff so it's before just you super touch the ground. Paced. Yeah, it it gets really really fast and the trucks are go crazy. Yeah. There's like like I said, there will be parts where like trucks will bump into each other and then one will like fall underneath the other one. They all go up and you mm-hmm. have to jump up and over or through or under or like through little holes and stuff. It's pretty crazy. Yeah, watching yeah, a dev fun. play it was really cool. Yeah, the dev like, we played was really, really good at it and he makes it look easy. And even he like toward on some of the other levels was like, you know, mistiming the, mm-hmm. the sort of like the grappling hooks or the, the, the time slowing ability and mm-hmm. stuff. But, uh, it seemed really, really interesting. We have footage of that. Me and Goldfarb went hands on with it. It is pretty hard, but it's one of those games where like you die so instantly and then restart so instantly, uh, that the difficulty becomes like an obsession. Like yeah. Me, like you just yeah. like, it doesn't feel unfair ever. Mm-hmm. Like it feels hard, um, but fair. Yeah. And that's like, it's very much like a super meat boy in that sense. Yes. Mm-hmm. So that was that cool. That sounds awesome. Yeah. yeah. 
Uh, we also got to see The Sexy Brutale, which is by Tequila Works, uh, who's the uh, studio who's currently working on Rhyme, uh, which was that really uh, yeah, adorable cell-shaded Yeah, which we still haven't Zaldico. seen. What is the deal with that? Uh, Do we know what a, happened with that game? Yeah, it, they, they've been talking about it recently. It's no longer uh, a Sony exclusive. Mm-hmm. Sony's not publishing it anymore, so that's good for people who have Xboxes. Because uh, I remember, like, didn't they reveal that during E3 like three years ago? I believe it was, it was during Gamescom. Gamescom, because I remember seeing mm-hmm. the trailer and being like, that looks like something I want to play. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, how um, sexy is the sexy person? Very sexy. But it's also by Cavalier. So it's these two studios. Cavalier is filmed from almost uh, all ex-Lionhead oh, people. Awesome. So uh, Sexy Brutal is this... So uh, is it, like cheeky as well? It's uh, What I got wasn't cheeky. The way the game works is it's this murder mystery that takes place over the course of a small, finite amount of time in this mansion. And it's sort of Groundhog's Day's, Groundhog's mm-hmm. Day's you, mm-hmm. where you are reliving the same events over and over and changing different things and learning about sort of the butterfly effect of if I, uh, if I take the ammo out of a gun in the basement, this character who tries to kill the other character will fire and the gun won't go off. Is your goal to save the person who died? Your goal is to save... There's, there's, everyone in the mansion is getting murdered by people. And oh. so what you're trying to do is save as many as you can. But then there's certain things like, wait, by this gun going off, it alerts someone else in the mansion, and they change. So it's like, well, I want this gun to go off, but I don't want this character to die. Hmm. So I need to figure out a way to do this without... I need oh. to have the gun make the noise without firing the bullet. So that's like some next-level hitman. Yeah, stuff. yeah. It's like, if I do this, then this happens, then I can yeah, do this. That's yeah, it's, cool. it's about rewinding and sort of replaying these events, but it's also a Metroidvania in where you are getting new powers and unlocking new parts of the mansion. Um, yeah, Andrew got to see it at Gamescom, and he loved it. And, sounds and I got so to meet cool. Them. Yeah, it sounds super cool. We're going to try to get a build and uh, mess around with that. So I'm stoked about that. Yeah. Uh, we get to play Deformers, which is uh, Ready at Dawn's new game. Uh, Ready at Dawn is the studio that did uh, The Order 1886 for PS4. And this I game liked. could not be more different. And this game is a uh, eight-player... Uh, uh, All right. That's already very yeah. different. Uh, eight-player uh, Rocket League-esque huh. okay. game. Okay. Yeah. Well, <laughs> Except it was funny because like you all play kind of weird, different little rolly characters yeah. that have like abilities to like you can grab onto the mm-hmm. ball or whatever. I don't know. I watched you guys play and I didn't really understand what was going on, but it looked really cool. I was very bad at it. I uh, really liked the order. It was like the only person that liked that. Yeah. Think. Well, you're gonna love the performers. Yeah. Apparently. Yeah. It's very similar. Um, this is the order 1887. <laughs> this is what happened the next year. <laughs> is we killed like all. We the killed younger all the brothers of Transformers. Yeah, just call them deformers. Deformers, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. The D stands for never mind. Uh, and then uh, we also got to see uh, Oceanhorn, which is this. Uh, it was this really cool uh, iOS Zelda like, like top down Zelda game that is now coming to consoles, which is cool because I liked the game on iOS, but I just hated using touchscreen. Yeah, so now you don't got to do that. That's awesome. Yeah, which These is cool. All sound great. Yeah, yeah. The event was cool. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, a bunch of a huge swath. Really yeah, yeah. I got to play the same Outlast demo that we played at. Uh, Oh, that's two demo that yeah, we played. I really at like to have a new demo of that sometime soon. Yeah, I feel like that same one has been at three events now. Yes. Yeah. So we need to see more. Yeah. Which so. yeah, and the game got delayed till next year. So. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Rip. Well, not rip. It's not. Then die. It's not. It's not dead. It doesn't matter. That's just dead. what people. It's not dead. We do have a house scary is out last too, don't we? Or did we not manage to get that? I think so. I think we did. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I didn't participate because I'd already played the demo. I did anyway. I was also very scared playing it on the show floor, which was very yeah, silly. Yeah, they actually, yeah. when we played it at PAX East at the side of the year, they actually recorded us playing it, and we didn't know that. <laughs> and then all of a sudden we saw a Facebook thing. Yeah, was they like the like posted it on screaming. Facebook about screaming. Because like, we oh, also had to like play cool. on the same TV in the same booth, and like, yes. st- I think we had to split the headphones, like we each had yeah, like one did. ear. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> it was not an ideal way to play that, but no. uh, yeah, there's cool gifts of us screaming, but if you also want to check out just like what that game is like, the how scary is, those are yeah. always super well produced, I think. You want to see a lot of people scream. 
Yeah. Yeah. Basically what happened. Um, Before we get into uh, Q&A, we can talk about our IGN first for this month. It is finally here. Yeah. And it Uh, is Tacoma. It is Tacoma. What's that, friends? (laughs) From the makers of Gone Home, it is a narrative. uh, I guess. How would you describe the split aspect of it? Yeah. I mean, it is. It's it's very. uh, It's familiar to Gone Home in terms of it's a first-person narrative-based exploration game. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, Takes place on a space station called Tacoma. Uh, Story-oriented. Yeah. Character-oriented. But what it uh, it sort of takes the uh, I don't want to say passive approach of storytelling of of Gone Home and sort of adds an active element to it in which uh, like Gone Home you enter the space station and these events have already occurred Mm -hmm. it's abandoned and you have to figure out what the hell happened Uh, but the space station has an AI that records uh, it recorded the six crew members and you get to these moments where you sort of turn on this hologram and you see what the six crew members were doing for an extended period of time. And so sort of the, the we have the, our first piece is a big 15 minute uh, gameplay chunk and you enter this sort of... Which uh, is basically the opening of the game. Yeah, which is basically right the now. opening of the game. And yeah. so you enter this uh, area that has a uh, it has a kitchen and a dining room and sort of a billiards table and an office and you start a four minute scene and there are six characters but they are wandering off and doing their own thing. Mm-hmm. So two characters are talking in the kitchen, one character character has to take a phone call and goes into the office and the scene is playing out in real time Mm -hmm. and so you're choosing what to pay attention to and being like, well, I want to see what these two characters are talking about in the kitchen. Do you only get to do that once? Uh, no, you you are free to rewind, fast forward, that pause. That sounds just so weirdly similar to the sexy brutal, <laughs> right? Which I'm totally fine. With. I mean, thematically, the games could not be different, yeah. more different. Yeah. Um, but it's really mm-hmm. great because when when a character pulls up sort of their uh, AR like holodeck, mm-hmm. uh, not holodeck, like a AR tablet. Yeah. Uh, at those, if you're looking at them at that specific moment, you are able to sort of tap into that tablet and mm-hmm. see what they were looking at at that time. See their emails so you see their emails, you see their correspondence, you get a little bit of backstory on everybody. Uh, and so it's about, uh, they, they, they said that they were inspired by Sleep No More, which is this, uh, retelling of Hamlet that is in New York City to where it is a live production that occurs over the span of 90 minutes in a hotel where it is all the principles of Hamlet and they're going through Hamlet and they sort of don't acknowledge the audience. But you are free to go wherever you want in the hotel. Mm. And so you enter a bedroom and these two characters are mid-scene and they don't acknowledge you but you're like, well, I didn't have any context for this so I'm going to follow these two. And then they get into a fight and split up. And you're like, well, I'll follow the guy or I'll follow the girl. Uh, But the thing is you experience it three times in a row. So it's 90 minutes, and then it's a brief intermission, the same 90 minutes, and then a brief intermission, and then the same 90 minutes. But you are actively participating in where you want to go. This is a real play? This is a real play. Yeah, Tell Sleep No More that so many people have, like, Ken Levine has talked about how this is an inspiration. Mitch saw it. I think we talked about it on the show like a year ago. Wow. It's really interesting because it's an easy but... I, I, I almost said no-brainer because it's not really a no-brainer, but, like, the idea of concurrent storytelling mm-hmm. is something that, like, video games have never done mm-hmm. well, right? Like, it's always this or that, right? Like, you have the Paragon system or the Renegade system, yeah. and you have to choose one yeah, or the other. Yeah, in a Telltale you game, see, you say yes or you say no. Yeah, and you have to mm-hmm. go through it. You have to play through again mm-hmm. and do make different choices in order to get the different story beats. Here, it's like you could watch one whole character's scene and then walk into another room, start the scene over, and watch exactly what was happening at the exact same moment that that other yeah. scene was going on. Yeah. And because they're connected through this AI, uh, this AI's recordings mm-hmm. of the scene, uh, you can kind of just like experience the whole game concurrently 
as you want to and at your own pace yeah. and kind of pick up on what you want to as you go. Yeah, and by seeing what these two characters are talking about, it adds context to something a character said before. That you're like, I had no idea what that meant without this context. That's really cool. Uh, super cool, yeah. Yeah, we it's a really it's a really interesting game. And like you said, it's kind of, and the way Steve Gainer explained it to us to- makes total sense. It is a natural evolution of mm-hmm. what happens in Gone Home, which is like, you're exploring this house and trying to piece together what happened there by yeah. listening to audio recordings and picking up on environmental storytelling yeah, cues. Yeah. Now you're doing the exact same thing, except you have control over those mm-hmm. audio diaries mm-hmm. and you can listen to them concurrently or yeah. watch them concurrently. Yeah, it definitely, it, it sort of, uh, it zooms the camera out a little bit to where, you know, Gone Home was pretty much about Sam Alani's relationship and then the parents' relationship. Whereas this is six characters, how they're linked, you know, there's a sci-fi element because it takes place on a space station. Yeah. There's an incident that occurs and you're trying to figure out what the hell happened when yeah, this incident like, happened. I'm already very yeah. interested. Well, that's, that's the thing is like we, I said it to Steve when we were up there, but like after that first 15 minute chunk, I was very interested in what happens because watch the gameplay chunk if you want to get the sense of it but like like you said essentially the character that you play arrives on this space station knowing that one the crew has been evacuated Mm -hmm. and there's there there was some issue that caused that to happen Mm -hmm. and immediately that first gameplay chunk ends with kind of the incident happening but it's scrambled you don't get a clear look at it first moment and you're just like well i don't know what's happening here like it presents you with a problem and then presumably the rest of the game is figuring out how that problem affected the crew and how they dealt with it and whether or not the same spooky element uh i wouldn't call it spooky spooky, it's unsettling yeah it's totally unsettling and that's i mean any ai you're just like well yeah Yeah. Yeah. is like i definitely i said it to steve i do not trust that ai but in the same time gone home spooky but there are no ghosts. Well, what was that game we were playing the other day? Event Z- Event Zero? Event Horizon. No. Event Zero, I believe it was called. Event Bracket Zero. The thing we did that a Let's Play That seems right. Yeah, but that yeah. was the exact same thing. It was like, I don't trust this AI yeah. at all. I've never yeah. trusted an AI nope. anything. Yeah. Never trust AI. Um, that was actually a weirdly similar yeah, thing. Yeah, right. Yeah, uh, so, I mean, the gameplay chunk is really interesting. We'll yeah. be covering the game all month. We have a lot of really cool features. Yeah, we have video it. features. We have uh, sort of making ofs, impressions. Uh, Steve and uh, Carla, who are the co-founders of Fulbright, uh, came from Minerva's Den. So yep. they worked on the Minerva's Den DLC for Bioshock 2, which is my actual favorite Bioshock thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and we have a sort of a big let's play of that. A bunch of stuff throughout the month. That's really cool. Yeah. Um, do we have a release date for Tacoma yet? Uh, I believe they are aiming for early 2017. Or nice. early-ish 2017. Cool. Um, yeah, that'll be cool. We'll yeah, this will this will be a game that I think it's not for everyone. Uh, Gone Home wasn't for everyone. Yeah. But like for people who are really interested in... Uh, uh, a game that does something different. Yeah. Uh, it's going to be right up your alley. It's, yeah, it does something different and it does something well. So yeah, it's, it's yeah. very character-oriented. It's an engrossing story, and uh, I think it's going to be really cool for people to play that. Uh, agreed. Mm-hmm. We did it. Alana. Hey. Hi. What's up? Yeah, I'm doing okay. How are you? I'm fine. Cool. Do you want to read some questions? Yeah. Uh, Q&A. So we... Did a Q&A last time Mario was out, and we have obviously a very slow week this week, so we thought that we would do it again. Uh, we promise we'll do it every time we get a new 5,000 subscribers on YouTube, but we'll also just do it some kind of off weeks because you guys ask questions all the time. Yeah. So and We like to answer them. Yeah, that's oh, where can And you can ask questions in numerous places, such as facebook.com slash group slash podcast unlocked. And youtube.com slash slash IGN unlocked. And myspace.com slash Tom. Yes. Please direct them to myspace.com slash Tom. Uh, the first one is from Matt Anderson. How do y'all decide who gets to go to different events? For example, why is one of the co-hosts of Podcast Beyond not going to a PlayStation event? Uh, 
this is a lot of factors, right? Yeah. yeah. It's how scheduling, it's availability, it's travel, mm-hmm. like how much that person has traveled. Because we try not to wear anyone out too yeah. much. It's um, also our travel budget. It's like also can't and, spend. And what you have experience in, basically. Yeah. yeah. I mean, the, the, Sean and I went to the Tacoma trip because, I mean, I've obviously I'm a big fan of first You're person. Reviewed gone I reviewed home. Gone Home, yeah. and I knew the, the I knew Steve and the 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 team, and Sean and I yeah. made a bunch of making ups together. So it's just like what you can be used for, yeah. basically. And um, whereas Ryan went to this because Ryan is much more of a hardware expert than any of us. Hardware. Yeah, like I mean, you've heard I've said it before a bunch of times. I'm like hardware isn't really my jazz. Yeah. and that's, if they sent me to that, I wouldn't really know what to do. Yeah, whereas Ryan, also, I mean, Ryan reviewed the the Xbox One S, yeah. and and he will probably review the the. The, not the Neo. Why don't you pull uh, the Neo? If you look at it, also go look at Ryan's Twitter right now, or if you're watching this days later, scroll back a little bit because I'm sure he will have tweeted a lot in the meantime. Mm-hmm. But like he asks really like tech heavy questions. Yeah. Like yeah. he found out that like uh, it supports a particular type of Dolby digital mm-hmm. audio yeah. and not another type. And yeah. it's like I wouldn't have ever thought to ask that. Yeah, yeah. I think Ryan's just like the puffy puss in a sense of that kind of event. And then like you know I'm going to you know Comic Con because it's a lot of cosplay mm-hmm. and I cover cosplay at IGN. It's like we just it's just whoever is good for something also not worn out and then also budget. Yeah, and we don't we yeah. don't send people that don't make it like we're sending Miranda and Jose to TGS because they both cover tons of Japanese stuff. Yeah. Uh, we sent Callie to uh, Call of Duty XP because she's like, probably our biggest Nintendo Call of Duty fan. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Was yeah we don't like, we don't throw anyone sort of out of their element. I mean, sometimes you do have to play something where you're like, well, I'm the only person here, so I got to play yeah. this thing. But generally, like we don't, we're not going to. We had Alex have, Solomita host a FIFA segment or something. <laughs> really, yeah. yeah. like a sports segment yeah. or something. Yeah, um, Gamescom. Yeah, we're never going to throw like we're never going to throw someone who's like, I hate Pokemon. Well, you're reviewing the new Pokemon games. Like, no, we're not going to do that. Yeah, we're I kind of want to point out, like, regarding that question, that our editorial team is probably smaller than you think it is. Mm-hmm. It's like. It's there's very obvious fits for certain things, and we don't have enough people that we could be like, well, there's four options for this. Yeah. That's not really. Yeah, we don't there. have ded- a dedicated tech team anymore. Yeah, you yeah. would say like our our content team total worldwide is about sixty or seventy people, mm-hmm. I think, right? And not all those people are here in yeah. San Francisco. Yeah, a lot yeah. Of we have UK LA, Australia, team, LA, yeah. and yeah. Australia. So yeah, it's probably a little bit smaller than you think, but our editorial team, like to their credit, is uh, really good. Like, they're very strong generalists. Mm-hmm. Like, everyone yeah. has a lot of experience with everything. Yeah. Some people fit better with some things. Other people fit better with other things. Yeah, but we, by have to, and large, we have to sort of hire jack-of-all-trades. Like, we can't yeah. really hire specialists Somebody anymore in 2016. Yeah. And we, we, don't have, have, con- we don't have console teams anymore. Like, this yeah. isn't the days when Ryan and Mitch were the Xbox guys and Greg and Colin were the Sony guys. Like, yeah. We don't have that. We have people that, I mean, Ryan will always be an expert on on Xbox, but he's also our executive editor of previews. And mm-hmm. so he has yeah. relationships with literally every publisher. Yeah. So yeah, to answer your question, it's a com- it's a combination of who's the right person to cover the content editorially, who's available and yeah. not tired, yeah. and then what we can manage as far as travel budgets to make our resources go yeah. the distance that they need yeah, to. Yeah, per- and I think Ryan was the best person to go. Yeah, yeah I agree. Yeah. We had a producer uh, a while back. I think well, you were still at One Up, and this was before you, uh, Tyroot, mm-hmm. who. Uh, said, you know what, I want to do all the live events. I won't do anything in-house. I'll just go to every single event. And after one year, he was dead. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But he made it a whole That's year. Way yeah. too much. That's, That's crazy. horrifying. Yeah. That was my 2014. Uh, Robert Rosen asked, what was the best movie of the summer? The Nice Guys. The end. Does uh, Cloverfield count as summer? Ish. Mm, Close enough. This is a, that was a really good movie. Call. Yeah. Clover- Ten Cloverfield Lane. Yeah. That's my favorite movie so far this year still. Was Nice Guys a summer movie? I think so. Oh, yeah. I think it was, nice I think, Guys was very good. I think it was June. Uh, hmm. I, 
I think May counts as summer yeah. movies, right? So I would have said, I think I call, uh, uh, Everybody Wants Some, the Richard Linklater okay. movie. Mm-hmm. Loved it. Mm-hmm. Best movie of the year so far. Like but I haven't seen Hell or High Water yet, so. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Zach was just, just saw it last time. He loved it. Yeah, I mean, uh, Hell or High Water, it's not a movie that you traditionally see nowadays. It's like a straight up middle of the seat hardcore drama yeah. character oriented but it's got a great cast and everyone says it's really really good I haven't seen it yet but I really want to yeah. because I, I guess it's quietly becoming one of the best films of the year that's awesome mm-hmm. we saw Kubo the other day a lot of people pointed out that uh, this summer in particular has been a big disappointment as far as the triple A blockbuster mm-hmm. totally. movies go. Yeah. yeah, but I thought like there was a lot of like if you dig deep enough like I really like Zootopia, I really like Pete's Dragon. Oh, yeah, totally. Yeah, totally. I actually think maybe if Ten Cloverfield Lane doesn't count as summer, I feel like it might have been earlier in the year. Then I think it would be Zootopia would be my pick. For ah, those those, those two are very similar. Very Zootopia similar. was great. I think. Once you start to, I think the more you, I, I like Zootopia a lot, and I think the message was really cool. I think that it's a little overrated because once you pull the message out of the world of Zootopia, it doesn't exactly apply the way that I think they wanted it to apply, right? Yeah, but like the whole predators versus like not predators thing. Like the reason they're predators is oh. because they do eat yeah. other, like in nature they do eat not, not predator animals, right? Doesn't it, the, the like metaphor doesn't saying hold up. that the the movie is overrated because that part doesn't hold up seems insane to me. No, but a lot <laughs> such of such a good movie. No, I'm and I agree with you. I loved the movie. I thought it was really good. But part of what people hailed it for was that its message was like a timely sort of I social. Don't, message I don't think it was trying to tell you about predators, though. It was like commentary on racism. I don't think it was well, trying that's to be exactly like, it, though, like right? it, there wasn't meant to be a direct parallel because in that universe they weren't actually predators. But that's what I'm saying is like. They are though in real life. If you're trying all right, to racist, <laughs> see that, that's all I'm saying. Hey, you have it's to like, say your name. You have to say our kingdom of if, loathing. Name. If the metaphor, all I'm saying is, if the metaphor is to be extrapolated from the movie to real life and be kind of like this this conveyance, it doesn't exactly hold up. I mean, I liked that's it. Right. I liked it. Regardless of the message, I thought it was a fun. Not a yeah, word, but yes. Regardless. Yeah, well, words like are jazz. <laughs> words are jazz. No, you're right. I really hate that unrelatedly isn't a word. You can say it. You're right. I do. You're right. I'll be like, unrelatedly? Yeah. How is that not a word? It is an Mm. outrage. Well, and I'm really excited about the next question. The next question comes from (laughs) Michael Steinmetz, who said, who is your favorite character on Lost? And the correct answer is Desmond. That was part of the question. Uh, Also the correct answer. Kate. I like Kate a lot. Really? Yes. I'm rewatching Lost right now. I like Kate a lot. I like Jack a lot. I like Desmond a lot. Like Did Dan- you write this question? I like Daniel Faraday Did you make a, a fake account? I, mean, if, I, know, I, don't know. I didn't. No, I didn't. I didn't. Uh, I, mean, I, I chose it. I was biased when I chose so it. So why, why, why is Kate your favorite? Oh, because I don't really remember anyone. <laughs> uh, I feel like she had very cute freckles. She And did. she seemed like a nice lady. <laughs> she killed her dad. Someone, yeah. Oh. yeah, but her dad was awful. He was like an abusive rapist. Oh, okay. I burned him alive, that. though. Well, <laughs> said it blew his house up. Burned him alive. I can respect that. Yeah. He was a rapist. That's cool. That's chill. Uh, you? I like I mean, Hurley. I think is that the Hurley's adorable. Yeah, uh, I mean Desmond's incredible. Like all of oh, his Hurley. stuff with Penny is so good. Um, Daniel Faraday's super cool because I like time travel. Uh, I think Ben Linus has a really cool character arc. 
Mr. Echo was cool until he got a DUI on the island and got kicked off the show like every one of the Is other that really tailors. what happened? Him, Michelle Rodriguez, and Cynthia Watros. So I remember all three of them were tail section people, got killed off within one season because all three of them got DUIs. I so remember funny. I remember the Michelle Rodriguez thing. Yeah. I don't remember the Echo. Well, that was, I don't remember the Echo thing being publicized. I was going to say just made that up. my favorite character is definitely Mr. Echo. And I when he dies, yeah, spoiler alert, yeah. uh that was kind of when I was like, I'm not so invested in this show anymore. I yep. love the story of like the man who's done terrible, terrible things in his life yep. and has betrayed many people and who by all accounts was like this terrible human who now looks at his time on the island as like a path of atonement yep. and like him paying for his sins. Mm-hmm. Like I love that. And like yep. the story with his brother who yeah, was the was actual good? priest. Yeah. Like I even now I didn't finish the show, although for the first two seasons I was a huge fan mm-hmm. of it. Um the part where like he goes back and finds the plane and oh, his yeah, brother's yeah. body yeah. and like it's clearly his brother's yeah. body because of the priest's Priest, cloth yeah. and stuff like I well up with tears man it's such an emotional moment especially for that character yeah. and like what it means to him the significance of that moment yeah. like man that was that's storytelling to me at its best and like I think I, I just unfortunately think it went all downhill from there false uh <laughs> Gabriel Rodart asks, can the whole asking for questions be a normal thing? Sure. Um, well, I feel like it doesn't actually make sense for the format of the show when we have trivia. Mm-hmm. Like, I feel like having those two things on the end would be kind of silly. But, uh, yeah, like I said before, we are totally planning to do it every time we hit a subscriber's milestone on YouTube. Or if Ryan's not here. So, yeah, I mean, yeah, it will be kind of normal. See? So, so thing have, that we'll be doing. have Ryan sent to events if you want Yes. I would say, can the whole asking thing be a normal thing? Sure. You can always ask. Yeah. We may not always answer. And also, That's we answer true. questions on our, I think all of us are in the YouTube comments uh, yeah. of, of episodes. So That's yeah, also follow us on anyway. Twitter. Yeah, I answer that. questions there all the time, yeah. mm-hmm. as I'm sure you two do as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, Campus said, first date advice. Don't. Just don't. Just Ooh, gonna, I can't, can't really, gonna really know. They're going to leave you. I feel like... So, I think... Dates where you do an activity is a very good idea. If you're going on a first date with someone and you're either eating or you're seeing a movie, it's like you're forced into an awkward situation where you you have to talk. And I think if you're like two young people, it's better to like go bowling or do something active, like something where you're always going to have something to comment on because yeah. there's always an action. You're yeah. like doing something together rather than just sitting somewhere and being forced to converse, and it's kind of unnatural. Yeah, I agree with that for first dates. Like I feel like down the road, I love movie dates of going to a movie and then sure. going to a bar and talking about the movie. Totally. Like, that's incredible. Um, I don't think it's a good first date, though. No. I just feel like it's not. It's a good fourth date. 40th. Sure. 400th. Uh, Starts with a four. All right. Yeah. 400 dates. That's a lot of dates. Yeah, that's too many. It sounds expensive. <sighs> no. I, uh, I don't know. I would have said dinner and a movie is a great first date. Maybe you screwed up. <laughs> Obviously, it also depends on the person. Like, also, who are you say, like I was going to say, for the reason you say it's not a good date or not not a good first date, I would call it a great first date because, like, I don't know that I would want to find out four or five dates later that I'm not that this isn't the type of person who I can just talk to and mm-hmm. not have to do anything with, right? Yeah. Like, I don't know. I think uh, I feel like it's just not fun. What well, a dinner date? Just like I mean, it depends if like you an have interview. if you have the chemistry. Yeah. That's the thing is like I don't think that you should be so concerned with like filling every moment of silence with interesting conversation. Like you should at least if you're going to be able to date this person long term, be able to share some silences or be able to be 
not entirely on all the time, yeah, like totally. performing, right? Uh, and be someone natural in order to feel and have their natural state also complement yours. I think feeling that out is kind mm, of that's also a good point. Yeah, it can go either way, is what I'm saying. I I personally like to do dinner in a movie because. One, I like food, and generally most people that I take out on dates also like food. I think most people like food, yeah. And then <laughs> I, I like also, safe, safe I also, uh, this might be selfish, but I think that, uh, like, uh, when I, when I've taken women out on dates, uh, I tend to choose a movie that I think that they would not regularly see, and so that their, I, the date becomes more memorable because they remember the movie. Like oh, it's a strategy. Yeah, totally. Yeah, I get that. Like, I'm a big movies guy, and I'm trying to impress. So I think that by choosing a cool movie that they're going to remember or find interesting or intellectual or entertaining, at least. Does that mean that you've seen the movie before you go? Not necessarily, but like sometimes, sure. Mm-hmm. I see movies by myself a lot. I also see movies that are good multiple times in theaters with mm-hmm. different groups of people. Yeah, because I enjoy the conversation and uh, hearing their perspectives. So, I mean, like, there's all sorts of different weird things that to consider. I think that, the okay, the number one rule when it comes to dating is that everyone is different. Yeah, I mean, Because if huge, someone ever asks me to go to a movie on a first date, I'll be like, no. Yeah, I was to say, like, it. there's so much different advice you can give for a first date, but I think if I was to sum it all up with, like, the best thing you could do is just, like, put your best foot forward, you know? Like, hmm. do don't be afraid. You enjoy. Yeah, don't be afraid to amp it up a little bit, be a little bit more, like... It's kind. I wouldn't say a performance because you're not pretending, but like you are trying to show them the best part of yourself. You should stage a mugging, and then protect your significant other from the mugging. That's actually, unfortunately, not a terrible idea. Okay. Also, really, this is a terrible idea. Also, do not go to your cousin's funeral for a first date. Don't do that. Yeah. All right. Uh, Ash Sanini said, what was it like to meet your hero Banjo at PAX? We met Banjo and Kazooie. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it was one of the proudest moments of my life. Yeah. <laughs> Felt like a proud father. Yeah. So uh, we had a Nintendo 64 panel mm-hmm. and uh, Banjo cosplayer showed up. I think her name was Dana. Like yeah. Dana? Yeah. Unfortunately, I don't remember, but she, uh, it was a freaking incredible cosplay. Yeah, because Kazooie was like a big puppet. Yeah. Like she was in the Banjo costume and then yeah. she had Kazooie as a puppet. Yeah. Which I it, was really it, cool. it was just yeah. so awesome. If you haven't seen the pictures, both Alana and I posted on everything. Yes. Instagram and everything. So it's just like, follow us. It's one of the things that I love about cosplay and why I started cosplaying is you see a cosplay of a character that you love and that moment of joy is so intense. Mm-hmm. I always get that if I see Ganondorf every single time. I'm yeah. like terrified. I, I am always scared of Ganondorf cosplayers. Yeah. But I'm always like, oh, that's the best! And it's like the exact same with that banjo i think like one of the first times it happened for me was just goku it was just like i mm. love that so much it's yeah. just so exciting so uh yeah she was a super awesome cosplayer shout out to i'm pretty sure her name is dana i'm yeah. so sorry if i got that wrong um but it, yeah it was absolutely amazing to yeah. meet our hero banjo and check out the rest of our cosplay coverage from pax that sean did yes. most of the work on videos galleries. yeah that was hard yeah but it, it was is. fun yeah and man some of the cosplay is so cool like uh I don't know. Like a lot of the comments were about this, these two, this pairing of characters, uh, Lothric and some other. I don't know, some big dude in armor and then a littler prince person on his or her back. I don't know. I, I shouldn't have even brought it up. It's in the gallery and it's in the video. Oh, it was really uh, interesting. The Master Chief play. and Cortana. I really liked a seven foot two Master Chief. That yeah. was the other thing. Is oh, so so cool. Yeah, the other thing that I saw when we were on the floor was an enormous Master Chief. Yeah. And you guys yeah, literally over saw, seven foot. He's yeah, seven like two. yeah. So I remember 
one, a huge crowd of people and me being like, who is, oh my God, because he stands like head and shoulders literally above the rest of the He's crowd. He's a scale spot. And yeah. the armor itself was very intricate, like super well done. Sometimes yeah. like Master Chiefs, like you can tell like it's made out of like, you know, paper mache yeah. or something like this. This looked like actual metal armor. And then the size definitely fun, sold it, but right? Yeah. Yeah. Like he, he I've was seen, literally a two scale spot. I've seen other Master Chiefs that are really good, but the size is just. Yeah. Have you seen that uh, that concept art? It's like just a Spartan suit and a bunch of scientists kind of standing around it. It's like one of my favorite, I guess, concept art things ever. And it's just the scale of the scientists compared to the Master Chiefs. Oh scene. yeah, it's like it's so cool. It's that is the so coolest thing about it to me. It was like in my head because you always know from the games that like. Chief's a big dude. He's like six seven or six eight, mm-hmm. seven two or seven three in the armor. Yeah, like this dude is supposed to tower over people, and then when you see that in real life, yeah. he feels so much yeah. bigger. It was really cool. Yeah. yeah, yeah, I love that stuff. Like in the cosplay video, you'll see. Uh, I hope it's the it's the second cosplay video I did from Backswiss, but it's the first shot. I'm holding. I'm a pretty tall dude. I'm six one. Uh, I'm holding the camera at face level, so about six feet high, and he walks right by me, and he looks down and gives me a thumbs up ah, into the camera, so like at about this height. Like it gives you a real sense for how big this guy yeah, is, so and it was cool. real cool. Yeah, yeah. dude was so, drawing crowds everywhere. Yeah, yeah absolutely. He could, we were in an elevator with him at one mm-hmm. point, and it's very odd because he's giant. Yeah, very giant. intimidating. <laughs> <laughs> it was it was really cool though. Yeah. Uh, next question is Ricky Webb: Hot pizza or cold pizza? Both. That's fine. Well, I definitely prefer hot pizza, yeah, but hot I also pizza. like cold pizza. Yeah. Okay, They're both good. They're varying degrees of good. Yeah. Yes. Pizza is good. But I prefer hot makes pizza. Makes me very sick. Uh, Howard Xander Shelfer, I'm at Applebee's for lunch, and they are playing Sugar Ray. What are some of your favorite or most what? memorable Sugar Ray moments? Mm-hmm. What are, are there Sugar Ray, Ray moments? It's a band from like the 90s. Was it late 90s. Yeah. yeah. You know, you, you, if I played a Sugar Ray song, I'd probably play it at a trivia literally every week. There's you, just you. the one. No. What's the song? There's Every Morning. What? Then there's another one. Can you sing it? We'll get a copyright strike. That's fine. I have, I have perfect. I have perfect pitch. <laughs> Just do like a like. I think it's under five seconds, and you're fine. Every morning. Oh yeah, I know that song. Yeah. Question. Perfect pitch. And copyright strike. Uh, I just chose this because I thought that was a very funny question. Uh, I'm going to say I, my favorite Sugar Ray moment is when, what's his name? Mark, Mark McGrath. Mark McGrath shows up in season nine of The Office as like the that was great. Yeah. The acapella celebrity yeah. host or yeah. whatever. And then he's like, he tells all the audience people like uh, the rules of the show. And then he's like, oh, and don't. And he's like, and keep an eye out for that mole. And then the producers radio him and he's like, Oh, no more. Oh, no, I'm not supposed, <laughs> to, you're not supposed <laughs> to know that yet. There is no, no more. <laughs> that was really good. It's really good. Uh, also, what's Applebee's? Uh, Applebee's is just a real bad chain restaurant. Cool. It's like a sit down. It's like Sizzler. Yeah. What's Do you know Sizzler? what that is either? I no. know. And we have Sizzler here. Yeah, yeah it's like that. It's like you the, like the Outback really Steakhouse. They have bread at Sizzler in the U.S. The what? cheesy bread. Oh. Dude, oh. bread at Sizzler, especially in a, it's like it's the only reason people like Sizzler is for the cheesy bread. I don't think I've been to a Sizzler. It's so good. I actually probably never been to a Sizzler. This is why you keep getting sick. Or an Applebee's. <laughs> you just stop eating cheese. But, it's so but delicious. it makes everything I had taste pizza good. Today. <laughs> Me too. Uh, yeah. Uh, all right. Is that, that was a wrap? it? We did, did good. We do the thing? Yeah, we did good. I'm proud of us. Uh, um, Ryan will be back next week, but Sean and I won't be here. Yes, we have a very special trip. So the week oh, goes, That's yeah. about all we can say. Um, oh, yeah. It's that's next those. week. That is next week. That's cool. Um, well, that's cool. Thank you guys so much for joining me. Uh, Alana, where can we find you? 
I am at Charlanazad on all of the social medias. That's cool. Sean, where can we find you? I'm at Shop by Finnegan, also on all of the social medias, but check my check out my Instagram and my Twitter. Uh, and I don't want any of you to follow me, so I'm not going to tell you where you can find me. McBiggity, two G's, two T's. Shut shut up. Everyone shut up. Very good friends. Uh, Thank you guys very much. Uh, That was Podcast Unlocked, episode 262, which is an actual palindrome, and I can't believe I didn't scream that out. Oh, my God, it is a palindrome. I'm very proud of us. We done it. We Uh, found a real one. (laughs) Ryan will be back next week. We'll see you all then. Oh, actually, we should give a shout-out to the animated thing. Oh, yes, exactly. Yeah, that's going to be up on our YouTube probably by the time this goes live. So someone took our dramatic reading of uh, the Quantum Break script, it was uh, Marty, I, and Mitch. Mitch. Right? That was literally Mitch's last episode. It was it? Mitch's last episode. RIP. We miss him dearly. Yeah. Uh, and we are going to be posting that on the uh, YouTube Unlocked. Yeah, vamp, unlocked vamp real YouTube. quick. I'm trying to find. Ooh, that's awesome. It's really cool. It's like just part of the animated script. It's really I, well done. Yeah, it's I remember. So, uh, so we've got two animated Matt things Ringstead. on uh, Matt He's at neutral underscore horse on mm-hmm. Twitter. Um, yeah, super cool. So this is the second time he's done it. Sean's posted the first one. Yeah. Oh, yeah. same guy? Yeah. Oh, awesome. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, uh, really cool. Especially because, like, yeah, again, just to recap, if you didn't play Quantum Break, there's, like, a hidden screenplay in parts so in that funny. written by one of the employees of, like, the megacorp that you're that are yeah. kind of the bad guys in that. And it's so poorly written, like, deliberately so, yeah. so yeah. that it's really funny. Yeah. Uh, and I guess I wasn't here for that episode, but you all did a dramatic reading. Yeah, of yeah the guy who wrote it tweeted it out and stuff. Yeah, and yeah. Super, yeah. yeah the actual writer <laughs> yeah. read me. Yeah, that was super cool. Yeah, it was really, really cool. Um, uh, yeah, so check that out. Yeah. That's on our YouTube channel. And cool then, uh, yeah, and then also shout out to anyone who came up to us and said hi during PAX. Yeah. That was oh, awesome. Yeah, totally. Anyone who came to the meet and greet, anyone who came to the panels, anyone who just stopped us in the hallway. Everyone like, was so nice. Yeah, we had a lot of fun, and I want to give a shout out to Kevin, the guy who bought us all a round of drinks drinks there just to oh, be a nice guy. what were those guy. called? Solid snakes? Solid snakes. They were quite nice. Yeah, yeah. they're like a little spicy boys. Yeah, they were very spicy. Yeah, yeah. put a couple of just those spicy like boys Just like solid right. snake. Real spicy boy. Yeah. Thanks, Kevin. Yeah, it was super fun. And, oh, uh, I thought that was the end of the episode. No, I'm at New York up. Comic Con. Y'all going to be at New York Comic Con. I will Con. also be there, yep. I'm also going to GamerX if anyone's in the Bay Area. That's a thing that's at the end of the month. Uh, so hopefully we'll see you around at some more conventions before mm-hmm. the year is out. And always come up and say hi. Of course. Always. One out of ten times we'll scream at you. It's exciting because be you don't know which, which time it will be. But we'll scream at you about strange things. Bye, guys. Don't take a first date to your cousin's funeral. <laughs> <laughs>Hey there, this is Justin Bartha. I made a funny new podcast, King of the Egg Cream. It has the greatest cast in the history of podcasts with actors like Louis Black. I'm torn by my feelings for two women. Bobby Cannavale. You can eat it, or if someone hits you, you can put it on your cut. Melanie Linsky. I wonder what these marvelous things are that look just like boiled chicken feet. Jason Ritter. I can break things and pick locks and kill people. Michael Stuhlbarg. The whole point is to inspire people that they should make themselves better. Ari Grainer. No, don't whet its appetite. What are you, an idiot? Me, Justin Martha. That's not just any egg cream, that's a Lemke's special. And all narrated by the hilarious Richard Kind. This is the story of Harry Dalowitz. And how he rose from nothing to become New York's King of the Egg Cream. So if you like funny true stories, come listen to King of the Egg Cream, available wherever you get your podcasts.